Abba Yahweh, together with you again, thank you, Father God, for my being a conduit for your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, and allowing me to be about your business. For it is your truth that I desire to share, Father God, and only your truth. That's all I speak. That's all I will speak. Guided by your spirit, Father, thank you. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Baraklitos, So, heard it there, live and in person, I will only speak God's truth, because that's what I do. To be about my father's business, you have to do it God's way. So, sharing this with you um, about that. When you have kids, and you have, say you have a business, or you have family-owned business, and you have desired that that would be carried on by your children, grandchildren, what have you. Your desire is that they do it your way or the way you established. And many times that doesn't happen. And unfortunately, you will see that businesses fold. Um, one relationship to that that I'm thinking of right now is that I knew of a gentleman and he ran his business a particular way and desired it to be that way. And people really loved what he did. And he had a son who tried to shortcut everything. And folks didn't like so much. And I can remember going to the business operated by the son and you could tell the difference. You can tell that it wasn't being done by the father and it wasn't operated the, son, the way he did. And it happened to be the place that dad had been running before. And so I asked, I inquired after father and was told that the father had passed away and the son was now the boss, Huncho. Well, it didn't last real long actually, and that's because the reputation that the father had established was gone and no more. And the son only cared about one thing. And the father cared about much more than business. He cared about the people that he dealt with and had to relate to. And this is the way that we need to be thinking and working as a Christian. And it's important and relational to what I'm sharing. This is, um, we were talking about this thing, and I, I love when God presents confirming word from when I'm studying and dealing with mentors, I've shared this with you before, I love it when confirmation comes out. And sometimes we get to operating and going and doing and you don't pay attention. Then there's an enlightening moment. And I love the fact this evening in class, or yesterday evening in class, taking place, but I'm sharing this with you about dad and son and business because this is how we need to be in an integrated faith life. And this is a heading that was established by our honcho, our head honcho. Um, it's important. It's very important. And the reason that it's important is because we need to integrate guidance in the Holy Spirit, faith in God, 
and prayer. Always be in prayer. And we're told these things. We're, we're reminded of these things continually throughout the word. And if you remember, I've, I've shared with you what um, Paul reminds Timothy and reminds us. And it's very important that we not forget this. That no matter what we do, no matter what we do on this plane of existence, work, whatever, that we need to be in a relational lifestyle with the Holy Spirit, with God, and Christ Jesus. in a relationship. God desires to have a personal relationship and he's expressed that in the Bible. He desires a personal relationship with his children. I have a sneeze coming, pardon me. <coughs> pardon me. So, our Heavenly Father desires a personal relationship with each one of us. That you don't just know about God or have heard about God or just heard about Jesus. You heard somebody talking about him, but he wants to know you. He wants us to know him. I want to know as much as I can about Jesus. So when I share this word, when I'm sharing and being about my father's business, I want to be able to be totally immersed and just drenched in truth. Because that's what my father, God, is truth. Jesus is truth. Christ our Lord is the truth. And he is described as that in several locations in the Bible. He is the way, the truth, and the life and light. And we read in John where it is said, when the Son sets a man free, he is free indeed. And brothers and sisters, you get that from truth and peace. And that comes from having a relationship, a personal relationship with Abba Yahweh, Eshua, and Parakritos. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A personal relationship. And we do that with prayer, we are reminded, as I told you, that Paul, writing to his godly son, Timothy. Paul was never married, didn't have children, but he took Timothy as a son and referred to him as such often because Timothy was a protege and a disciple of the way Paul taught, was very close to him, helped him, and Paul came to love him dearly. And Paul, in his letter, he writes to him um, in 1 Timothy 2. We find this. I've shared this with you before. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Everyone. Everyone deserves that opportunity. That we are thankful to God. And remember, we are told that we should come to his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with praise. And we enter his temple 
with worship. So we crossed the courts on our way to the temple for prayer and we're praising him and we enter with worship. Songs of praise and hallelujahs. Our sovereign Lord God is that not what he deserves. He came and he died for you. He created and everything that you have possibly can have is because of God. Does he not deserve that? Further in First Timothy 2, 2. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That's kind of a... There's several prongs to that, actually. And come to knowledge of the truth. So, we can say it this way. What is the truth? The truth is the word of God. And who is truth? Truth is Christ Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the light. And John reminds us, I've reminded you, and I'll keep on reminding you. The word was with God from the beginning. And I remind you also, I want to share with you because the enemy likes to do this. He likes to get us to believe other things. And in walking an integrated life, faith life, with our job and around others in this plane of existence that we're in, that the enemy is going to try to throw pitfalls, confuse, daze. It's that white noise interference that he continues to put out there. And I remind you, because he's a very, he, he, he's a very good tactician. And knowing your enemy is not glorifying your enemy. Respecting your enemy and knowing how he comes and what kind of tactics he uses is important. So for those out there that want to say that I'm glorifying the devil by talking about him, I'm not telling you to focus on him. I'm telling you to be aware that this enemy is very, he's a tactician, a great tactician. He can utilize him. He subtly twists and turns. He takes gifts that God presents and he perverts them. Look at the rainbow. The rainbow was given as a sign of, of God that he would not destroy the world by flood again. And you look and see what the enemy has done with the rainbow. He's twisted and perverted the rainbow, and now it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has so much to do with the agenda of the devil. A lot of things. And know and understand this, is that the devil and the demons, because they were cast out of heaven, and demons are real, they know scripture. They will twist scripture. They will bend it and get you to believe something that is not. And they also pervert the word by twisting it and turning it, taking things out of context, getting you to go into situations, and you've heard this from me before, half-cocked. 
and I'll refresh your memory in case you don't remember or haven't heard me use that phrase before. Back up many, 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 many years ago, way before I was born, way before my father was born, and probably way before my great-grandfather was born, when soldiers went to the field or hunters went out, you had these um, flintlock rifles, um, you did a thing called half-cocking. And when you did that... You couldn't shoot the gun. Couldn't shoot it. Couldn't pull the trigger and make it go bang. That's because when you pulled it back to the first position, you were not able to pull the trigger. And there was an old phrase when I was much younger, uh, Trying to remember how it how it went. But anyway, um, when you got in and you were planning and you had something, you were getting ready to go, and then it just seemed like it was delayed a lot and, and uh, the individuals would him ha around and have excuses of why they weren't going to get it accomplished, somebody would say something like, are you going to pull the trigger and get this done or what? So are you going to proceed, go forward? Or what are you going to do? When they went out into the field to hunt or move around, they were going through the woods, they would half-cock the rifle. The rifle was then believed to be in a safe way. It, you couldn't pull the trigger and accidentally shoot your hunting partner or shoot the soldier that was in line in front of you. You couldn't do it. That also means that when you get ready to go into a situation and you need to be prepared, don't go in half cock. Go in with full preparation. What needs to get done, you're ready to get done what needs to get done. You go in with faith and following what the Holy Spirit is guiding you to do. And you need to have that personal relationship with God and we need to remember that everything that we need to be about is to please God because he is our sovereign Lord. And what pleases him is that we are sharing his word with anyone and everyone that will hear and listen so that they too can be saved and be an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. And he calls us that when we are redeemed and we accept that Christ Jesus is his only begotten son. We have faith in God and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We are called heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And our father is determined that all of us should have that opportunity. But remember this, that he also gave us a free will to choose to believe or not believe. And God is very polite. When he gives you a choice and said that he will do that, he's not going to try to force you into anything. You choose the path that you want to travel. Me, myself, and I, we all choose to be guided by the Holy Spirit. I want to go home, honestly, and, and unlike some of these so-called Christians and self-proclaimed Christians, the label heads, this is not my home. I'm on a work visa, I'm passing through, and I want my God to tell me when I get home, well done, well done, son. You were about my business and you were operating in good faith. Thank you.
Remember this too. God, God just doesn't count you. You're not like some military operations where, you know, they just keep pouring soldiers into the field and to overflood and get you to use up everything you have and all your supply just by sheer numbers. It's called attrition, by the way. Um, but God counts on each of us to be about his business, to be good disciples and walking in his light and sharing that with others. And what exactly does that mean? Well, as you travel through the day and you travel through your work day and around work, is that you can be a good discipleship for the word and good discipleship in the word of God, but that doesn't mean that you have to be walking around and preaching all the time. Not at all. So many misunderstand that and they think that they got to do that. Well, it's good that you share and you testify, but if you are reflecting the person of Jesus in your life, people are going to ask. They will ask and they will want you to answer them. So you don't have to come and just walk around and, and trust me in this because I've seen this done, is that you have some people that don't quite know how to be a disciple. And they just, they don't listen to anyone. They don't pray with anyone. They just go up and they think that handing them a tract and just having the Bible open and all they do is yammer about everything that they're about and what their church is about and sharing what their church is about. Well, that's not discipleship, quite frankly. Discipleship is much more. Discipleship is drawing and getting people interested and getting them to seek answers. Remember, I share this with you all the time. Try my spirit. Hear the words, but listen to the message. And when you do that, then you go to the word of God and you seek his face. You seek his truth, knowledge, and wisdom, which he will give to you through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And there you will find truth. It's always about truth. Remember this too, though, and, and we were discussing this at our little round table, is that having faith, having faith does not mean that you have this jumbotron-sized shield to protect you from everything that comes. And that there's nothing going on. Now, remember, there's some folks that think you have to have this big old shield. But if you have on the full armor of God, you have on the helmet of salvation to protect your mindset and to protect you from that white noise that Satan loves to pour into us. And you have on the breastplate of righteousness and you stand upright, circumspect in the truth, the knowledge and the wisdom that God has bestowed on you, and you're praying the guidance of the Holy Spirit, so you're standing upright, you have on this breastplate of righteousness, and you have with you the shield of faith. And I've shared this with you before. Remember what David calls our Lord God? He refers to God as our buckler. Buckler is his shield, but contrary to what many people get, this idea of a shield is that it's this great big, you know, and, and military units in that day, they did use these long shields. They were for a different purpose. And you had shields that would go from 
the bottom of the chin down to the ankles and that when the troops were moving, they could stop and, and set that on the ground and, and kind of get down behind it and put the spears out. It was a, it was a blockade. It was a, it was a man held blockade. But what does, what does David describe Jesus or describe God as our Lord? Same person. Triune spirit, remember, is that he describes God as our buckler. A buckler as opposed to the head-to-toe shield is a usually round in shape, and you had a strap that you could put your arm through, and then it had a handle or, or something you could grip on the inside on once you put your arm through. And the buckler was small, so when you were moving rapidly, you didn't have to worry about tripping over this thing. You didn't have this very heavy shield to carry. And the buckler was, it was smaller. And it could be moved quickly. It was much lighter than that other and can be moved. You could put it in front of you and kind of crouch down and, and protect your head and your face and, and move it about. And if you had an opponent coming from your left side, you could turn it up that way. If you had coming from the right, you could turn it and sort of turn your body and, and protect from that direction. You could do a lot of things with it. If you had an enemy coming from behind you, you were able to put your arm over your head and kind of drop it as, as a protection if they came to with a blow from behind. What is David talking about? He's talking about God is around us and protecting us. He is shielding us all the time. He loves us. So when we're told to carry the shield of faith, I believe and my perception is that it's more of a buckler shield and not this great big enormous thing that you want to hide behind all the time. And why do I perceive that as opposed to the head-to-toe shield? Well, because we are said to be in a spiritual warfare. And that doesn't mean that you just hunger down and don't do anything. That makes you a lazy-bones Christian, where you jump in that recliner and you pull the lever and throw your feet up and sit back and suck on the suds or soda pop or whatever you're drinking. Sweetened iced tea, unsweetened iced tea, doesn't make any difference, but you're not going out and sharing the word. You're not going out to testify. You're not going out to discipleship. You're not going out to do anything. You don't even go to prayer meetings. You don't go to Bible studies. For the reason of not attending, you just, you don't do it. There are different reasons that people don't go, but but a lazy Christian doesn't go because what their response is, well, I read the end of the book and and we win. Well, unfortunately, that's not entirely what God desires of you. So my question would be, do you want to be one of those that God counts on or just counts? Me, I would prefer that God count on me to be able to be about his business and share his word, which is what I do now. I share his word, I am about his business, and I do what God has called me to do. And and I love the fact that, and this is, this is so powerful, the Holy Spirit, and when, and the devil comes to me, let me, let me tell you this, brothers and sisters, you're not gonna walk and just float around because you're a Christian, everything goes smooth. That doesn't happen. And when you pray and faith and you believe, God's intention may not be shown to you right then and there. It is in God's timing, in alignment with heaven, and that when you pray, you have to have faith in that, you have to have faith and believe that, yes, he can heal. Yes, he is Rafa. Yes, he is a great physician and all these things. But that doesn't mean that every little thing that goes on in this world, every little hiccup, every little bump is going to be smoothed over and everything is going to be wonderful, peachy, neat, kino. 
That's not what that means. And the reason it's not that way is because of this plane of existence that we are in, this plane of existence that we travel through. That's pretty sad and pretty pathetic. A lot of pretty stuff around here. A lot of things, if you look with spiritual eyesight and listen with spiritual hearing and you tune in to what God has for you and what God desires for you, it's beautiful. And I really like this. I, I wrote it down and I'm trying to find it. Ah, here we go. God told me this. And you have to remember this too, is that you are in this world, but you're not of this world. What does that mean? Well, that means you don't have to do every, pardon me. You don't have to do everything that everybody else does. And you don't have to do it just because they're doing it. And remember what Peter shares with us. We can find that in Second Peter 2.9, I believe it is. We are called to be a peculiar people. And what that means is that we are going to be oddballs because we don't do what everybody else does. And you're going to stick out. So this is in 1 Peter 2.9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that right there is telling you all about what being a peculiar person is about. That this doesn't mean like me being an old guy and, and acting weird and silly stuff. Peculiar because you don't follow the norm. You don't go someplace just because everybody else is going there. You don't do simply because everybody else does. <clears throat> you don't say because everybody else is flapping their gums and saying it that way. That's not what it means. See, I'm peculiar because unlike all these other theological wizards that make a point that, yeah, I went to such and such a college and I have this degree and I know more than you do, so I'm going to remind you at every opportunity that I have that intellectual, self-righteous, arrogant, prudish attitude. That's not showing out and what Peter's talking about. A holy nation of peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how are you showing out the light of God if you're busy tooting your own horn? If you're busy honking your own bugle and... Like those uh, one-man bands. Of course, the young people would have no idea what I'm talking about because now they have those guys that do the loopers and they sit on the beatbox on the sidewalk. and all. Yeah, I know about that stuff. But back in the days when I was a much younger man, you had the original one-man band. It was a guy would walk around with a bass drum and he had all these ropes and cords tied to uh, different parts of his body so that when he walked and he moved, the drum would play and, and certain things. And, and when the timing was right, he would move a certain way. And the harmonica would come to where he could get to it. And then he would do that and, and maybe have a, a horn or, uh, you know, and he carried a, a clarinet on a, on a sash and, or had that slung on him. And when he got to a point, he would get and he'd play that. And he had all these things going all at one time a one-man band. Tooting their own horn, making a spectacle of what they were about. But you see, this is not what God has called us to be. We are to please God 
and the things that we do are in order to please God and to show out that light. Exactly what Peter's talking about here. To show forth with the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how are we supposed to do that if you're busy tooting your own horn and making an absolute speckle of yourself and you're not using the shield of faith from those Friday, because let me tell you, when you're going to go out and you're going to um, be called upon in certain times, you're going to need that shield of faith because the enemy is going to come at you in many, many different ways. And he will do so. And I love this thing I got in the Bible study a few weeks ago. And this actually goes for everyone. God calls us all to be about his business. To share his word, to share his truth, to reflect that light that he's put into us. But remember this, he calls us all, but he anoints everyone differently. He might provide you with the knowledge and know-how to do a particular thing. So you do that within the church body or just, at your job, and you're good at it. And I love what he told me in this quiet time we were meditating on this thing. And my father said, all are called, but you are directed. I have need for you. What exactly does that mean? Not entirely sure, but guess what? I don't care. Because my heavenly father told me that. I have need for you. He wants me to do something that he has got going. Wow. That's all that that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. We're told to seek to please him. And I've shared this person with you some time ago. He's the see if I get this right. So he was the he was the great-grandfather of Noah, the guy that built the ark. His great-grandfather was Enoch. And what is so significant about Enoch? Well, it is said in the Word, we well, can find this in the book of Hebrews, actually. Um, but Enoch is an important figure in the Bible. And why would that be? You don't hear or see of him except for in just a couple spots. But it's important because as we read in Genesis, and Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. Now Methuselah, for those of you that don't know or for those of you that don't remember, Methuselah was the oldest living person in the Bible. 900 and some odd years he spent walking with God. But here, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The Bible says that Enoch did not see death. Because Enoch pleased God, Enoch walked with God, and as it was back in that time, God used to spend time walking with his children. 
until we decided to keep turning our back on him and treat him so disrespectfully and have and so arrogantly and so we had no humble attitude about us whatsoever and we just talked about it bad about God and we use his name in vain all the time and taking his name in vain does not mean using his name as a cuss word it means that you don't it just means that you don't give God the respect due as being our sovereign Lord God Almighty things like oh I swear to God that that car is on, you won't believe it. And it's so, man, they got such a, a price on Man, I don't believe that. That's a classic car. No, I swear to God, I swear to God. Well, you're taking an oath on God that you shouldn't be doing, and that's taking his name in vain. You didn't use it as a cursory area expletive, but you're using it for something trivial to make somebody believe that what you're sharing with them is the truth. And here, would this be much better is that you, if you had a reputation of speaking the truth all the time, that individuals wouldn't doubt you? So when you spoke the truth and you said, no, I saw this classic car and I don't understand why, but they had it priced at such a ridiculous low price, such and such and such and Really? And you saw that where? And then you just relate that and say, man, I got to go take a look at that. If I can get it, I'm going to get it. And off they go because they took your word for it. They believe what you said because you are a truthful person and you practice speaking truth. Truth is much more important than lies. And so many around us in this world today are so complacent they shrug their shoulders, and eh, it's just the way it is. No, it's not the way it is. That's the way it is for some people, but see, I'm an oddball. I'm an oddball because God walks with me, the Holy Spirit guides and teaches me, and Christ Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and he died for me, so I'm an oddball. I like to speak truth and not lie, I like that much better. And when I tell someone something, they believe me because they know I tell the truth, period. Truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, my Lord, my God, Paracletos, Holy Spirit. Only the truth. And now we're gonna jump over here to Hebrews 11. Five and six. And this is about what I shared um, yesterday, I believe, or yesterday early morning. I, it was God's watch, so I can't remember. Early in the morning. But what we are to do and what we should do is seek to please God above all else. And what we read in Hebrews 11 five and six, and this is by faith. Well, actually, I'm going to read 11, one and two, and then I'm going to jump over to Enoch. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good report. So by faith, you know that these things are true, and they come to pass and you receive a good report because your faith tells you that it's going to happen and be that way. And we read further in Hebrews 11, five and six. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch pleased God. God walked with Enoch. And they were walking one day and God says, you know, 
Enoch, my friend, you have been walking in this plane of existence now 365 years. And you know, your great-grandson is going to do something really special for me. He's going to build this thing that I call an ark. Different than the Ark of the Covenant, but he's going to build it because I have a covenant with him. And he comes from you, so I know he's going to be a good man. So let's say we just keep walking and we're going to just, we're going to walk home. And that's what they did. Enoch walked home with God. They couldn't find Enoch. They didn't find his body. He wasn't buried, but he was gone, simply gone. That's pretty powerful. But that happened because he pleased God. And that's what we're to do. Further reading in verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does that say? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you get into the Bible, his word, his truth, and you are really making an honest effort to seek his face to seek and be in his heart and do according to what God has us called to do and you desire to please him by faith that will happen. Now there are some that think that you have to have a bigger shield. Well, no. I am of the mindset that you don't need a bigger shield. You just have to be able to move it around, just like that buckler. You just need to be able to move it around. That buckler is a much better shield, I think. I believe, I perceive, because we're out here and moving around. And we have action is coming about us from all sides. So I would much rather have something I can turn and kind of duck down and and hunker down behind, and if I have my helmet of salvation on, so my headset's protected, and if you have on your breastplate of righteousness, that those slings and arrows that are flung at you by the enemy are gonna be deflected. Why? Because you're a righteous individual. And when they come at you with their sword of lies and deceit, and they try to quench your life with that fiery sword. You got that bucket, you got that shield of faith, bam! You deflect that sword swipe. And because it's so powerful, because it is the faith that you have in God, your sovereign, it knocks that demon right on their tail. The minions fall backwards and they retreat. The Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that that will be done. But we can't do it on our own, brothers and sisters. Don't do it all by yourself. You must have faith in God. And God has told us in several places to wear the armor that he made for us, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and carry with us the sword of truth and prepare our feet. By preparing to share the gospel. And remember this, a gospel, it just means good news. So it's not the entire Bible good news. Of course it is. Why? Because I tell you. 
the Old Testament. See, people like to separate it and divide it up, and the Gospels are talking about Jesus and all that stuff that's all good, 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 good. Well, that also includes the book of Revelation, and for those naysayers and those doom and gloomers, it's a revelation of Jesus. It is a revelation of Christ Jesus, our Lord. He came to visit John on the island of Patmos. The first several chapters of the book of Revelation are the letters that Christ had John write to the churches. And then later, as the trumpets are being sounded, the seals are broken and all those things are happening. And then you see our triumphant Adonai. He comes back, not the sacrificial lamb, but the conquering king. And there it is there. And remember this, and I shared this with you because we want to be bold, straight, upright, and be like that redwood. And they get at least 90%, if not more, of their nutrition from above. That's why they, they grow so tall, so big, so straight, and so mighty. Because everything they get that requires the nutrition to be absorbed comes from above. They don't have to sap their energy by trying to suck it up from the ground. They get it from above. So James tells us in 3.17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be in treated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So the leaven of the Pharisees does not infect because it comes from above where we should be focused on absorbing our nutrition and absorbing all that we need from God above. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers daily. Am I going out and coming in? Be blessed.